When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Don't forget, we've got the global game tonight. Daniel Garb will be in charge with Broski from 8 o'clock right here on SEN. And Garby's on the line. Good morning to you, mate. Socceroos, they win 4-0. They're into the quarterfinals of the Asian Cup. And the first question is, uh, couldn't we have done better? Arnie, what's, what's the score? What's going on? Well, I mean, they're reasonable questions. The quality of play has not quite been at a standard to get supporters enthused that we can win the competition yet. I mean, there's a, there's a feeling that we'll run into Saudi Arabia or South Korea on the weekend in a quarterfinal, and the confidence levels won't be high enough to beat one of those teams, another big contender, based on what we've seen so far, but some of that analysis may be harsh as well. The Socceroos defensively have been very strong. They are unbeaten in the tournament so far. And perhaps they will grow a level when it comes uh, to facing one of those sides. Perhaps the style of play of one of those teams who might try and attack the Socceroos more than some other sides might inadvertently actually help Australia, open up spaces for them to take advantage uh, in the final third when they attack. So... That's all to be seen. As a stand, though, uh, Australia haven't set the tournament alight uh, in this position they're in, but then nor have the other contenders, nor has a Japan or a South Korea, a Saudi Arabia or Iran just yet. It's a very even competition. Hopefully, Australia can silence some of those queries and uh, take things up a notch in what will be a blockbuster quarterfinal on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you like to see from, from the Socceroos? What more, I guess, would you like to see? Probably slightly better combinations in the final third. Uh, Some of our goals have been through a bit of industry at the moment rather than ingenuity and and creativity of a higher class in the final third. So we'd like to see a couple of players really inspire us in that sense, perhaps to Craig Goodwin, who we know has the ability to do so. Uh, Perhaps one of the strikers really straight stake their claim because that has been a concern so far. Mitch Duke hasn't had his best tournament to date. He's had an injury concern. Ooh, Garby's just dropped off the list there, so we'll get that back. So uh, I'll ask that question. Again, just while we're doing that, Glenn's come back to me and said, we want the best players playing Test cricket. West Indies didn't even send their top team. Imagine Dave Warner from day one only played T20. Yeah, you're, you're right on all points, Glenn. You're right on all points about it. Absolutely, we want the best players t- playing Test cricket. Cricket right now in 2024 means that that won't happen. And it, and it won't because of T20s. We're just going to have to put up with what we've got. And what we've got, I think, is still some pretty exciting test cricket. Sorry, Garby, you just, you just fell away there, fell off the line completely. So back to what, back to what you would like to see. Yeah, so a couple of individuals just take charge in the final third a bit more and elevate their game. And I think the striker is the key position in that sense. Mr. Duke 
high hopes for him coming into the tournament. Didn't quite get amongst it early on. Then had a little injury. Kasuna Yangi looked good um, and uh, and exciting. But, uh, yeah, he's obviously a young player and he's there to, to grow and develop. Bruno Fonaroli got the chance against Indonesia in the round of 16 and didn't really get amongst it. So the central striker probably needs to elevate his game and score a really big goal when we take on the likes of Saudi Arabia or South Korea. So, yeah, a couple of players just need to, uh, to take charge in a creative sense in attack. It's going to be tough, as you point out, either way, isn't it? So South Korea or Saudi Arabia, it appears from those that I speak to, there's a, you know, a cigarette paper between them. Um, have you got any preference or do you reckon Graham Arnold's got any preference about who he'd rather face? Probably Saudi Arabia, to be honest. I mean, South Korea at their best have firepower that is of another element. When you look at the likes of Hyunmin Son from Tottenham Hotspur and, and Hwang Hee Chan from Wolves, they're both coming off exceptional Premier League seasons. Uh, both of them have scored 10-plus in the Premier League prior to leaving for the Asian Cup. So you're dealing with some serious firepower there. Um, they haven't won the Asian Cup in a long time. We beat them in the final in 2015. They feel as if they're due. Maybe the pressure will get to them. Um, but uh, they do have another level to go to. Saudi Arabia are a very good side, though. They beat Argentina, the world champions, in that first game. Everyone will remember at the World Cup, of course. So they can knock off very big teams. They're also very experienced. But I think if we had a choice, it would probably be Saudi Arabia, but not by a huge margin. They're a very good side as well. Okay, let's have a look at the Premier League. What's going on there? I mean, you're going to be busy tonight because there's a heck of a lot of talking points uh, around the world of football. So Jurgen Klopp says, I'm going to step down as manager at the end of the Premier League season, which is massive, massive news. Said he was running out of energy, leaves behind his legacy there. So I guess there's a couple of questions on the back of all of this. What happens next at Liverpool, as in who would be most likely to take over? And what does it do to the playing squad? Well, in the short term, it might inspire them. And I guess that's the silver lining that Liverpool fans are hanging on to. That it might inspire them to a 20th title all up, second of the Premier League era. They're top of the table right now. And Klopp has made this decision. Uh, it's a shock, of course. But the fact that he made it early in the campaign... Uh, will perhaps serve as inspiration and give the club time to prepare for uh, what is going to be a very difficult uh, changeover, of course. Um, in the long term, you cannot replace a Jurgen Klopp. That's just not possible. He's one of the great managers in the world, one of the great managers of all time. I think he's the second most inspirational manager Liverpool have had in their history behind Bill Shankly. When you look at what he did to lift the club from where they were when he took over in 2015 to become European champions, Premier League champions, to be at the top table of English football for a sustained period, which other managers have struggled to do, certainly in the Premier League era. So you cannot replace that, and that's going to be very, very difficult. But once he made the decision, I think he's handled it the best possible way by saying it now, rather than waiting till the end of the season and then the club is behind the eight ball trying to find a replacement. And... It may just be that motivation. What more motivation would you want? Obviously, winning the league is big enough, but that is an intangible that could be very strong for this Liverpool squad, who are not only just gunning for the Premier League title, they're in the uh, League Cup final, still in the FA Cup, and, and they might just win the Europa League as well. So four big trophies um, achievable for them. The Premier League, of course, the big one, and that would be a remarkable way for uh, Jurgen Klopp to go out. There is a report from the Athletic UK that um, Ange Postacoglu is on the radar. I mean, a heck of a lot of people would be on the radar. Do you, do you see any anything in that? And if so, what would it take, I guess, for, for Ange to to make that kind of move? 
I do see something in it. I do feel as if it probably comes a season too early for Ange, and it's no disrespect to Tottenham Hotspur at all. But Liverpool do operate at a different level at the moment. Ange wants to get Spurs to that level. I think if he was asked and if he was in the mix, and that's not beyond the realms at all, I think he'd find it very hard to say no. He's a boyhood Liverpool fan. I think when he got into management, this sort of job would have been his absolute dream. Um, and, I, and I do think he, he would be tempted by it. But I, I'm not quite sure he'll be right at the top of the list, only because he's only had six months in the Premier League. If this happened 12 months down the line and he finished this season in a big way with Tottenham, started next season well, then, yeah, I think he'd be well and truly at the top of the discussion. But he still will be mentioned. But I think Zabi Alonso will be the favourite. He's doing really well with Leverkusen in the Bundesliga. He's got them top of the German league. And uh, he's a former Liverpool player, of course, of, of much repute, very classy individual, always looked like he would be an intelligent manager. And uh, he seems to be the front runner in a big way. And then there's probably a gap to the rest. And I think Andrew's in the mix with a, few, with a few of those. But I do feel as if this had come in 12 months' time, the Klopp announcement, he would have been a, a much bigger chance. But don't discount him. Um, we've learned a lot regards <laughs> to Antoine and never writing him off from any position. And... Uh, I do think, although he's very much focused on Tottenham and he, he won't be concerned with it too much, if it did get formal, the discussions with him, I think he'd find it hard to say no. Mate, the biggest story there might be that Spurs fans turn on Ange. I mean, that'd be, <laughs> you know, goodbye Big Ange instead, instead of I'm loving Big Ange. I mean, that'd be that'd be one for the ages. They love the bloke. So anyway, let's see how that yeah. all pans out. A-League, of course, plenty for you to talk about. Um, Simon's going to join you tonight live from Qatar with the latest from the Asian Cup. So, like I said, a real busy one. Have a good show this evening. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Matty. Cheers, mate. Daniel Garb, Alex Brosk with the Global Game right here across the SEN network from 8 o'clock tonight. Now, we've got some reports in from Rugby Union World uh, about the Melbourne Rebels, and the Rebels have entered voluntary administration. So I'll read this as it's being put in by Tommy into our document sheet, um, courtesy of Carla Yeager from the Sydney Morning Herald. Rugby Australia and Melbourne Rebels bosses have assured fans the club will take the field for this season, but both have fallen short of any commitments beyond 2024. Uh, Rugby boss Phil War, Rebel CEO Baden Stevenson confirmed that the Super Rugby Club had entered voluntary administration in a statement this morning. Rugby Australia will pay staff and players this season and the club's licence will be transferred to the governing body. The club is millions of dollars in debt. So they've confirmed the Sydney Morning Herald with a senior rugby source and the state government in Victoria that the Rebels went into VA after meeting with liquidation and solvency firm Wexted Advisors. This is, this is not good. In a statement... Phil War said, RA is committed to ensuring the Melbourne Rebels play in the Super Rugby competitions and we will support their preparation for the new season. However, like I said, there's no commitment beyond 2024 and we're talking the Super Rugby Pacific and Super Rugby Women's competitions. So the future looks pretty bleak. Now, none of this is a real shock because the Rebels have been in a mess for quite a while in terms of finances. The interesting part that jumped out at me here is that Rugby Australia are going to have to pay staff and players this season. Rugby Australia aren't absolutely flushed with cash either. And now they're in this position where they're going to have to start taking over some funding for the Melbourne Rebels. 
oh boy, that could pose a lot of problems in terms of uh, agreements with broadcasters, the Super Rugby Pacific competition itself. You have commitments to field a certain number of teams. Countless and countless times, benefactors have put their hands out and said, come to me and we'll sort it. And, and Twiggy Forrest has been very, very vocal in that. So I'm trying to sort of spear some lines out here and see which way they point. But to me, it points to nothing but trouble for Rugby Australia with the Rebels. And you wonder how long they're going to last when head office has to bankroll them and pay their players, which is good. We want the players and players and staff to be paid. But there seems to be bigger problems. Another headache for Phil War and Co. But that's the latest out of uh, Rugby Union and Super Rugby. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is our open line number. Give us a call. 22 and a half minutes past 10.